Praise the Lord, everyone. I'm so glad that you're tuning in here, whether it's on Wednesday night or whatever day of the week you're able to tune in. Thank you for doing so, not for my sake, but for your sake and for the Lord's sake. I pray that everybody is doing well. I hope that your families are well. I know we haven't been able to connect as much as we have been in the past, but I believe that day is coming. And God is still good, God is still faithful, and I'm so thankful that you're here with me today. So what I'm going to relate to you here is very simplistic. The lesson that I have is very simplistic. I like simple things. My wife says that I'm a simple-minded person, but I explain things extravagantly. And so my goal is to, to try to heed some of my wife's advice, because I think we all know she's much smarter than I am. And I will try to relay this simplistic thought of what I know God wants for us. And I'll relay this simplistic thought in a simplistic way. So if you would, uh, the title tonight is called Identity Crisis. Identity Crisis. I've been doing this thing here lately I, I, I love the word perception. I like perception. I know that may sound bizarre, but it's interesting to ask people what it is they think about themselves. How do you see you? A lot of times it's the first thing people say is, well, uh, I, uh, well um, they want clarification because especially in our movement, we, we can't inflate ourselves. We don't want to, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, we don't want to, we don't want to exhort too much pride. We don't want to, you know, talk ourselves up, so to speak. You ask someone, how do you see you? What does God have in store for your life? Ask someone that question and see how they answer you. Although I'm sure all of our answers are great and accurate, what I want to go through here tonight is exactly what happened to Gideon. I love Gideon. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible or this specific story. And so we'll go through that. And what I've come to know here is, is that if we, you and I, do not see ourselves as God sees us, then it truly doesn't matter how God sees us. I hope that you grasp that there. I hope that you're with me so far. If you and I do not see ourselves, if I look in the mirror and I do not see a child of God, if I do not see myself as the man God has created me to be, the husband, the father, the friend, the confidant, if I am not the person I know God has called me and wants me and has designed me to be, then at the end of the day, it truly does not matter how God views me. So my goal, my obligation here today is hopefully to help you, help you understand that when you leave here, you're going to have a better view of you and you're going to have a better view of those around you because we're going to view ourselves and view others how God views us. Amen? Okay, great. Judges chapter 6, we're going to read 11 through 17. I'm in the NIV version, so that's how we're going to do that here tonight, just for the simplicity of reading. And so, let's begin together. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Ebuzerite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said this, and I quote, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior or man of valor. 
Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. The Lord said unto Gideon, go in the strength you have. That's a key. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Keys. Those are keys. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And so Gideon replied, if, I, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you that this is really you talking to me as i read that i think about so many myself included it's so interesting how perception works how you perceive yourself gideon is fastly in a task and an angel approaches and begins to talk with him god is having a conversation with gideon telling Gideon what to do. In fact, in my opinion, that's the modern day church. We're constantly praying. We, we're, we're desperate to hear an audible voice. We want to hear God speak to us directly, Lord. That's the millennial culture. Millennials just want to know what to do. Psychologists say that a millennial is anyone born after the year 1984. There are different levels of millennialism, but anyone born after the year of 1984 is considered a millennial, and that's the mindset and the thought process of millennial, of who I'm speaking to, who, are, who the majority of our church is today, the movement that's taking place, apostolic Pentecostalism, is just tell me what to do. Am, am I called? Just tell me what that calling is, and I'll do it. I'll work towards that thing. We're, we're removing the process, of course. And then we immediately push forth the faults and failures, issues in our life that immediately arise. Well, I can't do that because I'm the least. We, we pray and we pray. We ask God, I need you to speak to me. I need a word. And when God gives us a word, it's okay, now prove this is you. Prove that you're speaking to me, God. Is this just my own conscience? You know, I, I've, I've, heard that, I've heard that you're a still small voice, but, you know, I'm looking for something audibly. Maybe you can write it down. Can you write it somewhere? Can you write it on the wall somewhere? I know you've done that before. Could you do it for me too? You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> we, we use the word to bind up God. And so God has approached Gideon, who is a mighty man of valor. He's already been victorious in the battlefield. He's already a proven man. <laughs> he was a military leader, a judge, a prophet, whose calling and victory over the Midianites are recounted in chapters 6 to 8 of the book of Judges in the Hebrew Bible. Gideon was a mighty man. The Lord sent an angel to tell Gideon to take the city from the Midianites for the Israelites and for the cause of Jesus Christ. But Gideon says that he is the least in his family. I know this is so simplistic in thought, but I think about this so often and I, and I love reading about it because it makes me feel better. Isn't it interesting how God always chooses the least? Now, pride, flesh tells us, well, I'm not the least. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm great. 
I'm awesome. I spoke in tongues four times. <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have someone in the youth that says that. They tell us how many times they speak in tongues. I spoke in tongues four times today. How many times you speak in tongues? Uh, you got me beat, man. I'm sorry. Or actually, I'm not sorry. That's awesome. Great job. Next week, let's shoot for five. In fact, let's stop doing this just on Sundays. Let's move to every other day of the week. Can you speak in tongues four times tomorrow? Because then we're talking about a serious relationship with God. But Gideon is already proven. He's a man. He's a warrior. He's a great man. He's a mighty man. And yet he's still lacking the perception of who he truly is. God charges him with a task. I love this. And Gideon is still afraid. Can't do it. Wait, now, hold on. There are so many, so many more well-equipped people, right? What about him or her? And we immediately diminish us because our perception is off. We don't see ourselves as God sees us. There are two sides to the coin here. You can say, well, God only uses the least, so he will get all the glory. That means I'm the least, and I don't like that feeling. I don't like to be the least. Or you can look at the other side of the coin and say, I may be the least, but I know God's going to get all the glory, and God's going to prove who he truly is through me. And if I can be that vessel, if I can be that weapon, if I can be that man or woman of God who allows God to do exactly what it is he wants to do, I'll just be his human voice box, his toolbox, then all the glory truly is for God. I love that so much. And that's exactly where Gideon finds himself. An angel of the Lord is sent, yet he still thinks God has made a mistake in choosing him. Because of our perception of ourselves, how we see ourselves on a daily basis. Who are you? Well, I, I, I'm in sales, or, or I, I work for this firm, or this is what I do for a living. I, I'm in the medical field, I'm a nurse, I'm a doctor. I, you know, I, whatever the case may be, we, we immediately start thinking of whatever it is that brings value to who we are. Well, monetarily, this is how much money I make a year, and this is how much my house costs, and this is what I drive. It, we, we immediately forget who we truly are and who we're called to be. I feel that so strongly. Our perception is off. We don't see ourselves as God sees us in insight. And in that, we can't see one another as God sees us if we don't see ourselves in that light. Now I know. I know what I'm against here today. We don't want anybody with a haughty spirit or arrogancy full of themselves my wife says that I check all of those boxes. She says that I'm egotistical and I say that I'm confident. She's probably right. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe not, maybe I'm right. See, there it is again. It just, it rears up in me, it comes out. But, but I love it so much because this is exactly where Gideon is and we can apply it so much to our lives. And what I love is when we get to a certain place and we're, we're hurting and we're desperate and we're, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Not just at this job or this location or this church, but God, spiritually, who, who am I? What is it that you truly have in store for me? I'm not talking about blessings. I'm not talking about my cup running over. I'm not talking about all the tangible things of life that society portrays and pushes on us. I'm talking about who am I in you? Where am I to go? What am I to say? Who am I to come across? Whose life am I to speak into? Mm -hmm. 
And when we, when we find ourselves in the place of struggle, which by the way, everybody gets there. In fact, the greatest men and women ever used by God lived in that place. <laughs> they were constantly searching on the mountaintop, hiding in caves. Speaking to thousands, hiding from hundreds. Man of valor, scared to death to approach an army. Back and forth, up and down, hills and valleys, mountaintops to the opposite. It's incredible. And it's, it's God pursuing us and, and us, it's the pursuit of God. It's pursuing him through everyday life, through trials and all the hurts and anxiety and depression. Is this right? Is that right? But when it comes to make a choice, to making a choice, who are you? Perception. How do you perceive yourself? We're praying, God, give me a sign. God, tell me. God, speak to me. So God sends an angel to confront him or can send an angel to confront us. And he, God, can speak to us himself. But if we do not believe in ourselves, then we simply won't go anywhere. If I don't see myself as God sees me, then it doesn't matter how God sees me. I hope that that stays in your spirit here today. Whenever you listen to this, however you're listening to it, I can feel the Holy Ghost where I am. I'm praying that you can not only feel it where you are, but you take advantage of it in this moment. If I do not see myself as God sees me, then it doesn't matter how God sees me. Perception. God tells Gideon to take the city under his own power. Here it is. He tells Gideon, take the city under your own power. Gideon had the power and the authority, but he didn't believe in himself. How astonishing is that? God tells him, just go do it. Be a doer. Be active. You're here. It's my father. Do something while you're doing nothing. You're threshing wheat. I'm going to speak to you because you're praying for a voice. You're praying for direction. This is what you want from me, and I give it to you, and you doubt me? Mm-hmm. Your perception's off. Let's, let's take a step back. Let's look at ourselves in the mirror here. Who are you? Who am I? Oh, that's right. I'm a mighty man of valor. Mm-hmm. I've conquered. Mm-hmm. I'm a prophet. Yep, that's me. That's me. A military leader. I'm a judge. That's right. Remind me, God. Remind me of who I am. It's the trial. It's the test that I've already been through. Because I know you're not going to put on me more than I can handle. And because I've already gone through that and you've taken care of me, I know that I can handle this. But he finds himself in a quandary. Gideon finds himself in a place where he can't see past himself. Oh, I hope that you get that. He can't see past his own shadow. Well, I'm not good enough there, there are better people than I. Go, go further down the line. It's, it's David being anointed king. Look at, look at all the other brothers. His own father. It, it has to be one of these 11. It has to be. From the biggest to the strongest, the most intelligent. I do have one more, son. It's the perception of who you are. Who are you today? I'm challenging you here today. Do you see yourself as God sees you? <laughs> Listen to me now. It's not haughtiness. It's not arrogance. Billy Cole, brother Billy Cole said it the best. There's a difference between arrogance and knowledge. Know the difference, but understand that knowledge is power. The application of knowledge is power. 
and knowing who you are and being okay with who you are and how you look mm -hmm, is how God is gonna choose to use you because he wants to use you. But what is your perception of you? Has God spoken to you this week? Have you followed through with it? Are you okay with yourself? Are you okay at looking bad? Are you okay at feeling uncomfortable? Can you work through an, an awkward situation in order for God to speak to someone who doesn't currently have a relationship with him? God's calling the Gideons. It's us, it's me, it's you. Are you comfortable with you? How's your perception? How do you perceive one another? How do I perceive my wife, my child, my parents, my pastor? My perception of them gives them the ability to speak into my life, gives them the ability to utilize the anointing, the knowledge and the wisdom that God has placed on them and given them to help me, but it's my perception. How do I perceive them? Is it in the right light? Is it in the right frame of mind? Okay. So he tells Gideon to take the city under his own power. He had the authority. So the question, I, I love asking questions to people. I love interacting with people. I love people to begin with. I, uh, this whole quarantine thing for me has been an absolute nightmare because I thrive off people. We don't have to necessarily be active 100% of the time. I just need to be with people. We'll sit down and talk, whether we're inside, outside, in a car, it doesn't matter. I just wanna be with people. And so I, I'm constantly asking people questions because I wanna know their perception. I wanna know how they view it or what they think, how they feel about it. And so the question begs to be asked, what is it that causes us not to believe in ourselves? That's the big question, right? What is it that causes us not to believe in ourselves? I, I think there are many different answers to the question, but let's get to the root of it here right now. Number one, I believe, is self-confidence. <laughs> I can hear my wife saying it. Oh, I bet you do believe that. <laughs> I bet you do believe self-confidence is number one. Number one is self-confidence. And confidence comes from knowledge and understanding and knowing who you are. I, I was listening to, to a lesson that Pastor taught a few weeks ago about it's, it's difficult to portray knowledge. It's difficult to portray what you believe if you don't know what you believe or if you're just a Sunday Christian, or if you really don't have a relationship with God, it's difficult to portray a relationship when you don't really have a relationship. So you just become a regurgitator. You become a regurgitator of information. You don't really know the application of it, but you know that this is what someone else said, and so I believe it to be true. Self-confidence, lack of knowledge, there's regret, sin, fear of failure, past failure, Persona or reputation. So many people, oh, I could never do that because sadly I've done this. Well, you don't understand where I've come from. You don't understand what I've done, where I've been, who I've been with. Yeah, I, I, I believe that God has called me, but I think that I've messed that up. I've gone astray. I, I can't get back there. And so we pray and we plead for God to give us a word to speak to us. And week after week, month after month, the pastor stands up here and proclaims the word and is the voice box of heaven and speaks into our lives and gives direction. And yet we can't receive it, we can't apply it because we lack perception. Not just perception of who pastor is in our lives, who the men and women of God are that speak to us on a weekly basis, 
our perception of them, but also our perception of who we are. I could never do that. That's not me. That's so outside of my personality. By the way, I read the other day, you, you can change your personality in, in, in three months. Completely change it. So I've, I've had the opportunity to go through uh, Sister Shock's color seminar. Love that. Gone through it twice. It tells you, you know, there's, there's orange, which is me. There's gold, green, and blue. You can change that. You can change who you are. Especially under the blood, with grace and mercy, repentance, baptism of the Holy Ghost, baptism, <laughs> baptism in water. Yeah, God can do anything with anyone, and he's proven it over and over again, so much so that he wrote all of them down for us, New and Old Testament, and now he's still doing the same thing today. So I'm speaking to you here right now. Listen to me. You have not gone too far. You have not done too much. You are not in a place where God cannot use you. Now hear me. Repentance is turning away from those things. Repentance is doing a hundred, is, is spinning 180 degrees. So don't frustrate the grace of God. But God can find you. God is right where you are right now. It's at the mention of his name. It's at the words that you speak out of your mouth. Jesus, I need you. Right here, right now. I need you. Here we go. God is at the very mention of his name. And the thing is, is that the enemy knows that we will always think and know that God is mighty. Did you know that? Did you know that the enemy, devil, Satan, whatever you want to label it as, he probably knows the Lord better than we do even. He knows. He knows that we will always think the Lord is mighty. We would never doubt God, even though at a certain point in time, that's what Gideon's doing because of our perception of ourself. But the enemy knows that we, we know that God can do anything. We, we believe that. We, at least we say it. We sing songs about it. We worship. We praise. Hopefully we pray. We study about it. We seek it out. We inquire the Lord. And I believe that the enemy knows that. But if he can get us to second guess ourselves, then he knows we will fail. I am God. I am who, I, who God says I am. But he, the enemy understands. Look, I know it's going to be more difficult for me to change their perception of God. But if I can get in their brain, if I can get in their mind and begin to sow seeds of doubt about who they are, if I can begin to sow seeds of, of doubt and, and unfaithfulness about who they are and what they are to do, you, you think God called you to that? You think you're good enough to do that? You think you're able or capable or more? You think you're intelligent enough? Are you an intellectual? You had terrible grades in school. You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't pass school. You failed out of school. You flunked out. You, you think you're old enough to do that? You think you're young enough to continue? He'll continue to input thought into our minds because he knows that the moment that we begin to perceive ourselves, when our perception changes and we begin to view us, ourselves, as God sees us, and then the light switch comes on and we begin to see one another as God views us, then power and authority and dominion and anointing can be imparted to us because trust begins to build 
and God begins to manifest himself and his people and the infilling of the Holy Ghost happens and baptism in Jesus' name happens and repentance takes place and lives are turned around and changed and healings are going to start to manifest and take place because we have people no longer judging one another from row to row. Well, I know about them. I know what they've done. I know what they haven't done. I know how much of a sham their marriage is. Hear me now. I'm speaking to you. God, or excuse me, the devil knows that the moment it clicks in our brain of who we are and who one another is, he has no power and authority. And that is the time that revival is truly going to break out. When our perception changes and we can look in the mirror and say, "Mm -mm, not today, no faults or failures, I'm gonna continue to mess up, but the Bible has already laid that out for me. But every day, Paul said, I die daily. Every day is a grind. I'm fighting against this flesh. I'm fighting against this. And when I'm fighting, I know that I'm moving in the right direction because if I wasn't moving in the right direction, the enemy would not be against me day after day. And so I'm gonna take heart in what is taking place in my life, I'm going to look at the enemy and say, I know that I'm doing something correctly because you're fighting me today. You're against me today. And you know that because I know who I am and because I know who my neighbors are, that when they lay their hands on me, there is no more doubt. When I lay my hands on someone else, doubt is gone. Fear is gone. And the only thing that remains is the anointing that is going to break the yoke and revival is going to take place and the enemy will be cast out when the perception of God's people happens. Are you still with me? Sister Shock said a long time ago, it's something that stuck with me. She said, we need more oranges in the church. I'm a very high orange. And oranges are good preachers, but sometimes they tend not to be the greatest teachers. Excited, difficult to stay on one task. And so that challenged me. I thought, oh my goodness. I know the anointing God's put on my life simply because I, I want to be used by him and I've got, I've got to be able to focus. I've got to be able to stay on task to teach. I don't want to just be a preacher. I've got to be a teacher and a deliverer of the word. And it's challenged me. It's, it's pushed me and changed me and I'm encouraging you here today. Don't allow something that, that someone else said, whether it's positively or negatively, or when they say it about someone else, directly influence you in a way where it diminishes how God can use you. He can use anyone at any time. He used a donkey. He used a chicken. He's used men and women over and over and over again, and God will use you too, but our perception has to change. Something I love, I'll end with this here. I love so much that that faith can, can, can begin anywhere. I love watching faith happen. When you explain something to someone or when we're here at the church and you're, you're praying for someone or you're explaining to them what the Holy Ghost is, hopefully you've, you've had the opportunity to experience someone receiving or the infilling of the Holy Ghost by evidence and speaking in other tongues for the first time. You should experience that. It's such an incredible thing. And the moment where you're explaining to them what repentance is and you see that light bulb turn on and wait a second. I mean, I can, I can get it right now. I can do it right here, right now. It's, it's not something that I'm going to have to wait for. You don't have to get back with me, but God can give me that gift right now, right here. And you begin to see faith and, and inspiration arise. And it's such an incredible interaction that takes place.
And I love how faith works or tends to work. I believe it is different for everyone, but it's interesting how we have faith for different moments in time. You and I, we have faith for yesterday because the word happened so long ago. Jesus himself walked the earth thousands of years ago and we believe that everything that he chose to have written down is true. It's true. It's cemented in truth. It's there for all time. We believe that those things took place, that lepers were healed and the lame man walked and the blind could see. And then there were mental healings and and spiritual things that took place. And water was turned into wine and Jesus was crucified. And he uh, he did arise three days later and the tomb is a real thing. And we believe that King David was a real human being. And we know all the different things throughout history that those truly took place. And then... We believe, based off of the Bible, that the future, we have faith in the future. God is going to return. God will come back for his church. We are the bride. This is what is going to take place. The eastern sky is going to be split. We know we will spend eternity somewhere. I plan to spend eternity in heaven. This is what heaven is going to be like. We've never seen it. We've never been there, but we believe it. We have faith for yesterday and yesteryear, and we have faith for tomorrow and for the future. But my challenge to you here is do you have faith for right now do you have faith for this moment god yesterday has come and gone tomorrow is yet to be here so i'm going to focus on this moment right now my perception of myself is going to change because in the changing of how i see myself Me seeing others is also going to change and begin to shift and then power and authority are going to be demonstrated. But do you have faith for today? I'm praying that you have faith for right now. God can do it right now, not just tomorrow, not next week, not next month. God, not God's going to do something great for you down the road. No, when people ask me to pray for them, I used to do a bad thing and I used to say, of course, I'll pray for you. And I leave that place and oftentimes I would forget. Now it's to the point when they say, hey, keep me in your prayers. Keep you in my prayers. Okay, but we're going to pray right here and right now. Let's knock this out right here and right now. Because by the time we're finished praying, God could have done it right here. And I want to be here when it happens so that God can definitely get the praise and the glory. He will regardless. But I believe that faith can arise right here and right now. Do you have faith for today? It's another question for you. Do you have faith for today? Because when you do, your perception of yourself and others will change. Okay. Would you pray with me here? Would you pray with me that every word that was spoken would be received and applied to our lives? But most of all, would you pray that God, it has to be him, that God would help us, would give us the boldness and the courage to release ourselves, to change our perception of ourselves. Does that make sense? There I am again, taking something so so simplistic and making it more difficult. I can hear my wife saying it. Praying that God can change the way we see ourselves and one another. Would you pray here with me, Lord Jesus, right now in this moment, I pray for every man and woman under the sound of my voice. It does not matter when they listen, when they watch, when they tune in. I ask God that your anointing 
and your spirit and your power would be the same in every moment and every place of time, whether they are in their living rooms, whether they are at their kitchen tables, in their vehicles, they're traveling, they're stagnant, whatever the case may be, I'm asking God that you would fill the place that they were in, that they are in, and that you would begin to speak to them just like you did to Gideon. But I pray against doubting. I pray against and come against fear. I bind it and I cast it into outer darkness. There is no fear welcome here. There is no, there is no doubting welcome here. I am who you say I am, but more so, I am comfortable and confident in who I am through you and through your spirit and your presence. It's not just going to be demonstrated on a Sunday. It's not just going to be demonstrated when there are a hundred of like-minded believers around me, but when I'm by myself, when I am alone, I am not going to doubt who I am. I am not going to pretend at any point in time, but I'm going to move forward in faith believing that you are going to do a work through me. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to keep us safe as the world thrives and different things transpire day to day. I pray a hedge of protection around everyone. I pray that you would be with us, that you would encamp angels around about each and every one of us as we travel, as we work, wherever we are, whoever we're with. I pray, Lord, that you you would be amplified and glorified in our speech, in our actions, in in whatever it is we're doing. There is a way, there is an opportunity with every person that we interact with. Jesus, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this church and our pastor and his family. I thank you, Lord, for every ministry that takes place here, that blesses our lives, that works so diligently, that works so hard on a week-to-week basis to provide us with access and an avenue to your word and to a relationship with you. Bless everyone, I pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. I love you. Have a great day.